This is Creepy and Geeky. Welcome to Creepy and Geeky. I'm your host, Robert, and on today's episode, mm-hmm. we've arrived at the penultimate movie of Phase 1 in the MCU, Captain America, the First Avenger. Joining me is returning guest Hugh McStay. Hugh is a horror writer and a critic for the London Horror Society, and he's the co-host of Vampire Videos and Podcast 616, a show I was I was on recently for their series on Secret Invasion. <clears throat> Welcome back to the show, Hugh. Thank you very much for having me, Robert. I am absurdly excited to talk about the first <laughs> Avenger. Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, yeah, and it's been a lot of fun. They're doing the the Secret Invasion recap show over on Six One Six the last little while, and uh, you know, there's a that's a that's a, a very divisive uh, TV series, and <laughs> I don't. I, it's becoming I mean, that way. Yeah, I, I don't know when this when this is going to. This may go out after after the finale airs or around that yeah. time. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of like, at the moment, we've just watched episode four and I, I'm teetering a little bit, to be honest with you. I, w- I will see it out and I hope the last two episodes are, are terrific. But uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of losing faith a little bit in that show. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I won't be talking about this until, you know, maybe next year because I'm going mm. in order. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm giving it, yeah, like you, I'm giving it to the end and everything um it's it's been a little uneven but overall i'm still enjoying it uh, mm. quite a bit um you know mostly because of sam jackson's performances he's just That's so it, magnetic yeah, yeah. through all mm-hmm. of this that despite any pacing and storytelling issues it's just great to see him finally mm-hmm. getting to chew into nick fury as a character um yeah. so I think the finest moments in that series so far have just been Samuel L. Jackson sitting in rooms talking to other actors. You know, right. that's that, that's when it's absolutely soared. Um, as you know, my co-host, the nerdy blogger, Ashley Thomas, and I take turns at hosting uh, when we do our weekly coverage. And boy, am I glad she is hosting this week because I was in a full <laughs> mood at the end of that episode. And I do not need to be near a microphone talking about it. So, yeah, it'll give me a week to calm down and see what next week looks like. <laughs> <sighs> Definitely. All right, but today we are talking uh, about Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, our yes. first uh, look at uh, Captain America as a character in the MCU, um, portrayed by uh, the always excellent uh, Chris Evans. Mm. So this was an interesting movie for me because um, I really enjoyed it. I, I've, I've always um, it really enjoyed the the first Captain America. I know there's there's a contingent of people out there who don't like it as much as like the later captain america stuff but Mm -hmm. like how can you not enjoy a world war ii set movie directed by joe johnston Mm -hmm. um the guy who directed the rocketeer um which is such a fun movie um i will i will claim that to my dying day that the rocketeer is a great movie people can suck it Um, (laughs) (laughs) you are but uh yeah (laughs) i'm glad you agree uh, I don't have to kick you off the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I, I think that Chris Evans was an interesting choice uh, of the actor. Now, so for me, when he first got announced to to be Captain America, I was a little skeptical uh, mm. because I was used to the the types of characters he played 
up until that point were largely very um, snarky, very sarcastic kinds of characters. Uh, People like the character he plays in. um, um, uh, Oh, God, now I'm forgetting. Uh, Oh, what's your number? Uh, The the romantic comedy with Anna Ferris and uh, his 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 role as uh, uh the human torch in in the first two fantastic four movies yeah he's like the ultimate dude bro you know that with that was yeah. his thing so much so that he's even the the actor they chose to send up the dude bro stereotype in the uh yes in that, and not, not another, another team movie. movie yeah and yeah. it's like he was perfectly cast because that's all you'd ever really seen him in yeah absolutely yeah that was uh that was such a funny movie um and <laughs> Yeah, so that's how I always saw him. And so when they cast him as Captain America, I was like, wait a minute. That dude's going to play white bread Captain America? <laughs> um, and don't get me wrong, I love Captain America. I, I you know, one, you know, I got into him in the, um, in the, the I guess, late 80s, um, right around the time that he actually gave up being Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we got the whole John Walker storyline that ends up getting um, uh, done up in uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, series. Yeah. So that's when I came into Captain America, uh, the comic book. And so, mm-hmm. so it was a much different uh, time. And then so Chris Evans becoming Captain America, I was like, okay, this is weird, but I'm going to give it a chance. And he really pulls it off well. Like he does a like such a good job at being Captain America. It's hard to imagine anybody else being being that character now. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, just focusing for a moment on Chris Evans, uh, since that's where we're starting. I I think he's kind of this generation's Christopher Reeve when it, in terms mm. of superhero performances. You know, um, yeah. he is just. It's hard. I, I don't even think that's an arguable point, to be honest, because he's such, he's handsome, charismatic, likable. Remember a time when heroes were yeah. always to be likable and not sort of snarky and, <laughs> you know, badass. It's like, he's just, he's a nice person, um, you know, and like he's selfless, he's kind to everyone around him. And I think a lot of that comes because this film takes its time to get to the superheroes, uh, the superhero yes. moment, the, the big reveal. Um and and I I think that holds true throughout Aaron's entire run throughout the MCU. The reason that we love him so much, or that I love him so much, is because I look at him and I still see little skinny Steve in there. You know, yeah. having all the yeah. muscles and the power has not changed him one iota. Which is why it's very difficult to not be in his corner pretty much at all times, because you know, you know, his heart will always be in the right place. Um, I mean, his, his central sort of um, his central character trait is the very simple one, which is I don't like bullies, you know, which which they kind yeah. of the, the the allude to in this movie, and again that carries him through every film, and, and, and like you know when he's standing up to Thanos uh, in Infinity War, you know when he when he's facing off with them, it's as true then as it was, you know, in, in the, the opening scenes here when he's getting beat up in the back alleyway by a bully. You know, it's like he's just—he's not going to lie down. He's not going to let the bigger guy win just because he's big and tough and scary. And he, you know, he'll do the right thing regardless of what it would cost him personally. So yeah, I mean, I I I love Evans in this role. He's he's great, and I mean, he's, I think he's a really talented actor. I've mean, seen a lot of other things he's been in, and like he's great as well at taking all that Captain America charm and charisma and completely subverting it. And I'm I'm thinking most notably in uh, in Ryan Johnson's Knives Out movie. Where yes. he is just such 
an insufferable, horrid shitbag of a man. <laughs> but I, again, it's because Evans is so he's he's got that in his locker. But now he can put the sort of the the oh shucks Captain America charm in front of it before he, he unveils that. I, I think I think he's terrific. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Just because I was used to him being the snarky guy and everything, like it, it, <laughs> it, it was great when you know he subverted that with Captain America because then you know when he embodies Captain America both as you know skinny Steve and then later as you know a buff Steve that you know, he he <laughs> he never changes like you said he never changes his core values just because he's now you know, a, a, a strong super soldier doesn't mean that he's going to suddenly be a jerk. You know, he, he's mm, not yeah. like, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's kind of the opposite of the, of the old uh, um, Atlas muscles uh, ad where the skinny guy was getting the sand kicked in his face. And uh, then he goes, <laughs> gets muscles and then kicks the sand in the other guy's face. It's like, Steve doesn't do that. He's not out for revenge. He's like, yeah. I just want to make sure that, you know, the bullies are stopped and that everybody else can live their lives the way they want to live. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's that central thing at the start of the film, isn't it? That when Dr. Erskine asks him, so you you, you want to kill Nazis? And Steve says, no, I, I don't want to kill anyone. I, I just don't like bullies. And it's, right. it's brilliant. It's so earnest, right? And there's a real chance that that falls flat and it's just a, a little bit too earnest, you know? But yeah. I, I think Evan sells it really well. And again, because he he holds that truth throughout the rest of his tenure in this role, I think it's all the Absolutely. more admirable. Um, yeah, it, it's fascinating to me that that he was cast in the first place. I agree with you because obviously, as you mentioned, look, you look at his background <laughs> right. and, and what he'd done before, and also, I mean, this film wouldn't have been a million miles uh, miles away in terms of the timeline from when he was playing Johnny Storm as like the oh, ultimate yeah. asshole. Yeah, I mean, it's only be only be a couple of years. Um, I read when I was researching this that he turned the role down three times. Uh, he really had to be convinced to do it. Apparently, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, spoke to him to try and convince him. Um, I think his key issue was that he was concerned that, you know, it's a six-picture deal, so, you know, it's tied in for a long time. Yeah. And also, you know, he let's be honest, those Fantastic Four films, as interesting as they are, I, mean, I don't think they're as bad as everyone makes out, right? They're not good, exactly. let's be clear. Yeah, they're yeah. not good. <laughs> but they're not they're not the, the monstrosities people would have you believe. But I think Evans was very much of the mind that if I do this Captain America movie and it, and it flops, then that's probably me done when it comes to like you know top line Hollywood blockbuster cinema. That's probably my my goal yeah. gone. Um. So yeah, I think I think he really had to be convinced. And when when you look at the the names who were in the running before he got the gig, yeah, alongside him. So you had the the ones that I remember at the time John Krasinski was really yeah. high up on the yeah. list of, of 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 potential which i couldn't see at the time but having watched him as jack ryan uh on that amazon series it's like mm, right. I, could, I could maybe be convinced but you had krasinski <laughs> uh channing tatum chad michael murray will will smith apparently uh sam worthington and my my favorite is jensen ackles of supernatural fame <laughs> and and i I love that so much because obviously he's gone on to become the sort of asshole Captain America in yeah, Amazon for the, the boys. boys. Yeah, and yep. he is terrific in that role. So, yeah, I mean, is it, is it just because Evans has been cast that I couldn't possibly see anyone else in the role? I, I don't know, but I just don't think any of those actors would bring that sort of innate likability <laughs> and that innate sort of like, you know, inner calm and, and kindness that he exudes in this role, which which is just yeah. madness to me that he's able to do, he's able to do that. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, when this was coming out, I remember I remember a bunch of those names. I remember Jensen Ackles uh, was one of the names. There's another actor. I can't remember his name now, but he was on the TV show Chuck with uh, um, Zachary Levi. Um, he mm. actually played um, uh, the 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 husband of uh, Chuck's sister on there. Right. Um, and they actually his nickname on the show was Captain Awesome. And so <laughs> I think he may have been one of the actors who tried out for the role as well um i'd have to go back and look but he he definitely he's you know he was blonde he was you know built um and he kind of exuded that same kind of aw shucks you know uh uh, uh goodness that mm. you know on on the show on chuck so he was already kind of doing that and so i was like i could see him doing it i was mm. like you know he would have been a good choice for that but he wasn't the name. And so I think that, you know, they were definitely going for somebody who was already in a well-established movie name and, mm -hmm. you know, and Chris Evans, who'd already done multiple um, comic book adaptations. Because not only was he the Human Torch in those first two Fantastic Four movies, but he'd also done uh, the movie The Losers, which was based on a comic book. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. He'd, he'd done the movie Push, which was based on a comic book. So he'd already kind of been in that in, in that world of movie making of comic book adaptations. So it makes sense that you would go to somebody who already kind of has experience with that mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and, and already has a built in uh, likability and audience there. So, you know, it, 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 it was weird. Uh, but yeah, definitely once he was cast and once you see him, you're just kind of like, okay. Um, and I also know that, you know, that part of, or I suspect that part of his um, reluctance at doing Captain America was that, you know, I've heard stories about that. He's, he's kind of um, not always, uh, he doesn't enjoy being in the public eye that much um, mm -hmm. and doing a lot of stuff. He suffers from anxiety. Um, and so he, you know, having something of that caliber and that level as Captain mm -hmm. America, you know, that's a whole other thing than just doing the smaller movies. And so I think that may have been kind of what put him in the mind of, yeah, I don't want to do something this big. Not only will I, you know, will it potentially, you know, mess up, you know, other stuff in the future, but you know, there's, there's a lot that's involved in all this. And so, but I'm glad he took, I'm glad he went against oh, that. Oh, and he yes. finally like took it because <laughs> he's so perfect in the role. Like, you know, it, he, he, you know, it's, it's this great combination of writers, directors, and, um and the actor doing their, their level best to mold this character and do exactly what you want out of it. And you know, what you want from, from that character is you don't want somebody who's going to be raw, raw America. Um, you know, that just steps to, you see it in this movie too, that Steve will do what's best for, you know, people, not what's best for the government what's mm -hmm. best for you know who who his supposed masters are you know so yeah. he's about but, defending the little guy and yeah. you know defending people around him so and, and they do such a great job of of giving you his sort of world view in this film you know they, they really do you're left in no doubt as to the kind of man steve rogers is 
and it pays off beautifully, like really quickly in the Avengers movie, where he doesn't take much convincing to kind of like scratch away the surface of Shield to find out the nefarious stuff that uh, Nick Fury was up to, you know, trying to harness yeah. the power of the Tesseract and. And again, that the character work is done here to lead into that movie, and and I think that's that's what this is one of the things that Marvel do so well, especially in the early movies, is like they sow these things here. We get to know the characters so well that when they when they do something like that in a future film, we don't need we don't need a character arc in that future film to get them there. We've already seen that happen. You know, if you're following along, you know who Steve Rogers is. You know he's not going to put up with um, any shady government business. And right. uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I absolutely adore it. I mean, Steve Rogers, he's the only character, I think, in the entirety of the MCU who, like, he just, he, he, I get excited when I know he's going to be on screen because I love <laughs> the character that much. And I wasn't right. a big Captain America fan, uh, really, you know, I, I actually don't think there's, whisper it, I don't think there's that many really good Captain America comics out there. Not that there's none. <laughs> that, I mean, there are certainly some. Right. But I, I just, I don't think there are many. Uh, and he always, for me, tends to work well as, you know, a member of the team or a, a character in an ensemble. Um, so I remember when, when I heard that, that Captain America was going to be one of the sort of the Marvel, the MCU launch titles. I remember thinking that was quite a bold move. Um, right. You know, because... That's a that's a difficult film to market in some territories, I suspect. Yeah. A film called Captain America, which is why I think they, they tacked on the first Avenger uh, moniker, you know, so that they could lean on that and not Captain America so much in certain territories. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it was a bold move of Marvel to, to, to kind of tap into that. And, you know, at a time when they were trying to get their entire franchise off the ground, to step right. away from the sort of the contemporary stuff or the fantastical stuff that we had with Thor... And move to a sort of like a, an almost gritty throwback adventure, World War Two story. I mean, I, I remember being genuinely astounded when when I saw the trailers, and it was like, oh my oh my god, they're, they're actually going to do the the real origin story, you know? Yeah, they're not just going to yeah. have that as a sort of like a flashback scene, and then we'll quickly drag them into the present day. And and again, I think that's why that that's the strength of this film is it's not it's not in a rush to kind of get Steve to to where they need him to be. And it takes its time throughout the film. We get to spend a lot of time with him. We understand his motives. I mean, it's about maybe half an hour before he even, you know, gets the super soldier serum. So you got a lot of time with skinny Steve as well to understand him. And oh, honestly, Robert, I rewatched this last night and uh, it remains one of my all-time favourite MCU movies. I mean, I, I think it's higher on my list than it is on pretty much most people's. I, I don't think I've <laughs> ever met anyone who loves it as much as I do. Um, but I do genuinely think it's kind of, it's that early MCU magic firing in all cylinders. And, you know, like it, it gave us a character who would see us through the entire Infinity Saga. And uh, he gets to, you know, he gets the final moments in that saga as well. Um it's 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 amazing and it's an astounding piece of work and a lot of that's probably down to to Joe Johnson I think. Yeah, definitely. I think you know his his sensibilities because he's you know he 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 done the Rocketeer, um, mm. he done and you know some other kind of you know period type of movies that I think that you know he was a great choice for that um, to bring that kind of you know uh, you know older sensibility. Um, and to, you know, and, and obviously, you know, it's it's down to the writers uh, creating, crafting this story as well of, mm -hmm. of going back and, and giving us that time 
to breathe and to get to know Steve uh, before he becomes Captain America. And even once he does become Captain America, we, (laughs) so, you know, that's, what's fun about the movie too, is that, you know, again, we don't even drop right into the action. We get Steve, he, you know, skinny Steve for quite a bit, you know, you Mm. get to, to get to live and breathe with him for a little bit. Then he becomes buff Steve, you know, super soldier Steve, (laughs) but then they, they're smart. They don't drop him right into the, 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 the thick of things yeah they build that up again they're like okay well you know what we're gonna do a twist we're gonna make we're gonna put him on you know in these you know shows to sell war bonds to kind of (laughs) you know and it was a great like it was a great way of going hey look this is why we don't do comic accurate comic uh, costumes (laughs) you know (laughs) this is why this would look stupid so this way, does when it, we get to the when we get to the actual uniform, you'll be like, "Oh God, that's so much better." There's a bit of me wish that they had released some promotional images of uh, Chris Evans in that outfit and just t- told the internet, "Yeah, that this is the costume <laughs> we're going with," just to see right. the meltdown online. That would have been magnificent. That um, would have been great. That you know, that's when you're talking about where you know you get the the Star Spangled Man with a plan montage. Yes. That that's an all-time great Marvel scene. That everything about that is magnificent. It taps into those comic book roots. Um, it's very funny. The song, let's be clear, the song is oh. amazing. It is so good. And it's so very, catchy. Yeah, very period accurate as well. Um, and again, it's uh, it's one of those things that you know, in another film that, that that would be they would race past that, but they take time to let you sit with it. It takes and so it, much time with it, yeah. yeah. And it's like and, it's such a great plot point. Yeah, and, and it pays homage to what the Captain America comics were. I mean, let's because they were just propaganda, propaganda. tools used in yeah. the forties, you know, to the to first fight issue has against... him clocking Hitler, you know. <laughs> yeah. So and, and it's like uh. it, it's brilliant that it's smart enough to kind of to to give the audience a, a little nod and a wink to that, whilst also Absolutely. presenting them with a scene that is that is an absolute showstopper. Do you know what I mean? Most films <laughs> would kill for a scene as good as that. And Captain America, the first Avenger, has got several throughout it. Um, I, I know it's not the popular opinion, right? But I do maintain this. Out with Avengers, this is the strongest film in phase one. Um, I, I think Iron Man's terrific and, you know, mostly because of Robert Downey Jr. I, I do think narratively it's a little bit, you know, don't look too closely at the plotting, don't look too closely. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Robert Downey Jr. is so spectacular that he, you know, he covers for everything else. Whereas this is the for me, this is the first film where it feels like if this is if, if this wasn't a Captain America story, if this had nothing to do with the MCU, this would be a great action movie, like war like action yeah. war period piece. So it's like the you know the, the with the weird sort of schlocky uh, sci-fi trappings kind of yeah. Uh, stapled onto it with with red skull yeah i actually think it works really well just as a film first and foremost yeah and that they do such an elegant job of tying it into the, you know the budgeting mcu at the time it's it's spectacular and like i said every time i return to it i become more steadfast in that opinion and it moves maybe like <laughs> two or three numbers up my my ultimate marvel ranking it's like god this is great this is really really great <laughs> No, I agree. I think that it, you know, it's it's for me. I still kind of put Iron Man at the, at above it, mm-hmm. uh, but I but I but I understand your your point because I do think that in a lot of ways, Captain America is probably the stronger film overall. Like mm-hmm. in in the in in Phase One, mm-hmm. um, because it gets really uneven um, between Iron Man and Captain America. 
the the three movies in between incredible hulk iron man 2 yeah, and thor yeah they're they're vastly uneven they're not terrible movies but they're they're so uneven that um that it it, it definitely makes you go okay um we're building to avengers like are we actually gonna get there and the movies did well enough that you know it, it, it was fine but it definitely was one of those things where you're you're, you're going to question it, and then you yeah. get to Captain America. I know, but that and that was the interesting thing too was that as good of a movie as Captain America is, and it did well, um, there were a lot of people who were kind of like poo pooing it, um, even to this day. But even back then, they were kind of like, "Oh, that movie's not that great." And it's like, "What are you talking about? It was such a good movie. Shut up." Um, I, I think a lot of that is the throwback nature of it. I don't think yeah. people were expecting, you know, especially, I mean, you've just come off the heels of, uh, I think Thor, is that the movie that predates this? Or is it yes, Iron Thor Man came out Thor. just before yeah, it. That's right, yeah. yeah. So you, you jump from that sort of insane sci-fi soap opera that, that Thor is. And listen, I've got a big soft spot for the first Thor film. I think it actually uh, stands up really well. Again, you put a director in charge like Brana who understands what he's doing. He's going for a particular yes. type of tone. You know, you're not going to get a bad film. It may not work for you, but you're going to get something that holds together and, and is interesting. Um, and and I completely agree. I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of the way that there's a feeling almost that Iron Man was great, and then Iron Man two not so much. And you know, the, the Incredible, <laughs> Incredible Hulk, Hulk. isn't a, again. It's yeah. not terrible, but it's 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 not on the same level as Iron Man. And then no. Thor is like an interesting experiment that isn't entirely yeah. successful, but it's it's interesting. And, but for me, that it genuinely felt like Cap had kind of brought us back, you know, kind of grounded us again, whilst yeah. kind of using that that World War Two setting to lay the groundwork for what would you know what we would see in the Avengers and what would pop up in future Marvel films, and even in that sort of early scene where where Schmidt uh, uh, obtains the Tesseract, even tying that to Thor, you know, like the, the, the yeah. way he takes out the mural of the World Tree. Um, all, all these things, and they're so subtle, they're never kind of knowingly referenced. You know, it's like you, you don't hear Thor's name ever mentioned in this movie. But again, for, for the audience who are paying attention to it and watching all the little blocks click together, right. it's insanely satisfying. Um, yeah, it, it, there was a, for me, I agree. I think there was a real worry that, oh God, maybe Iron Man was like a, a, like a, a magical one-off that, that they're not <laughs> right. able to repeat. And then, but then, but this really was the film that kind of turned me around. It's like, no, no, I think, I think the, you know, I think we're going to be okay. And obviously, this is this one was written by uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who would go on yeah. to become absolutely pivotal when it came to sort of shaping oh, yeah. what the MCU would be. And and I believe this is another one of those films that had the the sort of the Joss Whedon uh, script treatment, where he kind of gave it a once over to you know just to insert little things to make sure there's a bit of connective tissue and maybe tidy it up a little bit and. Look, much though Josh Whedon is the ultimate in problematic creeps, um, mm. you know, I, I can I, we objectively taking him, putting him to one side, he, he's a terrific writer, and you know what he, I think he kind of gave us the blueprint for what the MCU would go on to do. Um, but yeah, like I said, this film was so important in making sure that that the that they steadied the ship and we got to the Avengers movie, and. Isn't it fascinating that this is the movie that Louis Leterrier wanted to make instead of The Incredible Hulk? Um, yeah. you know, this is the one that kind of really appealed to him and Marvel ultimately offered them Hulk instead. And my goodness, I think that that's a... We dodged a bit yeah. no, no harm to Louis Leterrier. He's a very good director at a certain yeah. type of film. Um, but Joe Johnson, I mean, this this feels like a sort of like, almost like a, 
a family adventure movie, you know, like a matinee movie you could sit down and watch with everyone that the whole family right. can enjoy. Uh, and, oh, yeah, I, I just think it's so special. No, I agree. I think, you know, Joe Johnston was perfect in uh, in being the, the choice for this movie. Uh, and, and like I said before, the writing by uh, uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, they, they, you know, like you said, they go on to do every Captain America movie and mm-hmm. they end up doing the Infinity War and Endgame. So they're pivotal in 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 pushing everything forward to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 you know what we know is the MCU uh, uh you know for the first three phases, they're kind of the architects of all of that as they went along. It's um once it's interesting because like once they you know come together in uh Winter Soldier, you know, the these two writers with uh the Russo brothers, you know, it's it's like you know, it, it becomes um this unstoppable force for the rest of those mm. uh, uh next few phases um and it's you know they do they do a great job in my opinion so yeah, it's I nice agree, to see yeah. this growth start here in the beginning um I, I would also ask is there a is there another film in the mcu you know a, a non-crossover film so not like civil war not an avengers movie but just a sort right. of a standard mcu film is there a better cast film than this one um, <laughs> I, like genuinely, I mean, t- Chris Evans put him to one side for a moment. You Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull, uh, oh, Haley Atwell as Peggy yeah. Carter, and I, I mean, even your th- sort, of, sort of throwaway uh, roles like Tommy Lee Jones playing Chester Phillips and <laughs> uh, Dominic Cooper as Howard Stark. Stanley Tucci is in this movie. Stanley Tucci's here. Uh, and then uh, you've got Toby Jones as well. Um, he's, he's like, I mean, Toby Jones is, I'm a huge fan of his. He's one of like Britain's great character actors. Um, it just feels that like every single role is just got an, an excellent actor in it, no matter how much or how little that they're doing. Oh yeah, no, I, absolutely. I think that, you know, the, the cast is so on point and, and you know, and, and I definitely want to talk about Hayley Atwell because she's, mm. she becomes this, you know her character of Agent Carter. It's it feels like you know when you watch this movie and you know and and, and having watched it you know most recently that you know it's it's not the best character in the movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, she exists kind of to it, it. It's it's a weird character because you can see you know she's given this agency over herself you know, but at the same time. You know, she spends a good portion of the movie kind of mooning over him, uh, over Captain America, over Steve. You know, but she sees him. She oh, sees on, through Robert. the muscles. Have, have you seen him? So, I, I've been mooning over him for half the film as well. <laughs> Every time I watch this film, I just think, oh, God, you're so beautiful. Oh, Chris, taming your big, strong arms and run away with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean. I, but I get like, and don't get me wrong. No, I totally understand that aspect of it. But you know, and and but I was glad to see her character uh, be able to get spun off into her own thing as well, um, so that we got more of her uh, in the MCU um, in 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 her Agent Carter show, which I absolutely loved. Um, I know uh, yeah. it was uneven at times, um, but you know, I still enjoyed it because you, you know you're getting that period specific after World War Two you know, building shield uh, kind of kind of aspect of it. And it was great. And it, of course, the writers of Captain America, um, you know, 
were the ones who created that show. So it was nice for them to go yeah. take their creation and go put this into it. Um, it's just, it, you know, go ahead. No, just to say, isn't it fascinating though that the two sort of main love interests from phase one, um, you know, you, you've got Peggy uh, and you've got Pepper over over with Tony. Isn't that amazing that the the, the love interests and the, uh, and the characters who have endured and who the audience enjoy most are kind of equals of their of their male counterpart, you know? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, Hayley Atwell, you know, is is absolutely terrific as, as an actress and she's just, oh, she's just so charismatic. And and this, you're right, this could have been a, a little bit generic and a little bit sort of stereotypical, this role. Yes. Um, but I, I think her natural charisma pulls her through. Um, there's a great quote from Hayley Atwell when she was talking about Peggy and she said, like, she can do everything Captain America can do, but backwards and in heels. And like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And, and then over on Iron Man with Pepper, um, look, your mileage on how much you enjoy uh, Gwyneth Paltrow may vary, okay? But that character I really like because yeah. she she never gives in to Tony. She never lets him away with his bullshit. She always calls him out on it. And, uh, and in this film, in a similar fashion, I mean, Peggy's right there with Steve at the end when they're uh, storming the Hydra base and they're trying to bring down the Red Skull. She's not sitting 20, uh, 20 miles behind allied, allied lines waiting on him, phoning her to say that it's all done. And again, those two characters, you know, crop up throughout the MCU and are the two sort of strongest relationships. And then you look at something like, I mean, for me, the biggest waste was always um, uh, in Doctor Strange, Dr. Christine Palmer. Uh, yeah. you know, Rachel McAdams. What an utter waste of a talented actress that role is. She she really is the sort of generic love interest 101. Yeah. Um, and it's disappointing that they didn't learn from their experience on, on these films where they really gave the sort of like the, the romance or the love interest a lot more to do, or a lot more agency, as you put it. I think that's a great way of describing it. Um, I mean, right. Peggy Carter is is every bit as much of a kick ass badass as Steve is in this film, if not more so. Oh yeah, because because of the world that she's uh, that she's living in, um, and her and Steve's romance in this film is brilliant because it's so lightly touched on throughout the film. You know, it's yeah, they don't really spend a lot of time with it, but I mean, it sustains a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, yeah. we, the, the final shot, which I will not, obviously <laughs> you'll get to in a later podcast, but the final shot of the MCU is their big reunion. And every yeah. single time it makes me cry like a big girl. I can't help myself because I am so <laughs> invested in, in the character of, of uh, Steve Rogers throughout his time in the MCU. I like, like he, every time he shows up, he, I, I, I get, I can't help myself. I get excited. And I remember when we went to see infinity war and you know, that the moment where Steve shows up in the train station in, in Edinburgh train station, and like, I, I knew he was there, but before he steps out of the shadows, I like I grabbed my partner's arm and I was shaking. I was like, "It's Steve! Steve's here!" <laughs> and like that's how I feel about Steve Rogers. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is that sort of wistful, lost love. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the end of this movie is genuinely devastating. Every time I watch it, it still gets me. Oh, it's yeah, to, yeah. When he has to say goodbye to to Peggy on the radio, and he kind of you know he gets cut off mid sentence, and I mean that's hard going. And then, you know, the, the final line when, when Nick tells him, you know, you've been asleep for 70 years, Cap. And he's like, are you all right? And, you know, the, the film ends on this really low-key note of, I had a date. It's, yeah. it, honestly, it, <laughs> my no, God, it's even, heartbreaking. Even now like, watch it, yeah, I'm giving yeah. myself goosebumps, Robert, even talking about it. And I just watched yeah. it yesterday. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, I just I just watched it yesterday also, and so it's like you know having like you know and sure like it was always emotional, but I don't know for some reason this time it hit even harder like that Mm. that you know as as Steve's going down in the plane, and then like that just that you know they got that one kiss before he jumped Mm. on the plane, and then they never got to like really be together they were always kind of you know because of circumstances you know he they never got the moment to have those quiet moments together yeah. mm-hmm. and to to cement that relationship would it have worked maybe um you know it could have possibly fallen apart once they were together obviously <laughs> you know you know we find out later on that it didn't but you know it's it's just that you know that 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 what could have been and you feel that loss and that yeah. heartbreak and every all the potentiality uh that their relationship could have had together and you know and, and it and it was based on true real feelings not yeah. you know not just physical attraction but they obviously they honestly both respected each other as as, as who they were and um you know at their core and so that's it's it's just one of those yeah it's a it, I, I can see why and you and i are actually going to get to discuss this uh in in the end game episode when it comes up um <laughs> but uh, i hope you're we, i hope uh, you're putting aside four or five hours for that recording <laughs> i know it's gonna be a while off but i've already begun my notes and i'm, I'm currently at 400 pages so uh just just brace yourself for that <laughs> okay, you know, because we're gonna have some stuff to say about that end oh, there, because yes, uh, uh, I, I, I have, I, ha- I have thoughts. Um, so, <laughs> so, but yes, uh, uh, but I do like their relationship, and 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 it's and it's well, very well done in this in this movie. You 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 get all that, like, you know, when, you know, if you are into somebody. Like, mm. you know, when, when you when you first find somebody that you like and you all those feelings are right there at the surface and you really just like, you know, but you're trying to still hide it because you don't know if they like you. Mm. And, you know, and that's kind of where it is with both of them. They both kind of are like, you know, they don't know if they like each other. You know, later on, it becomes obvious. Um, But it's, you know, it's but up until that point, it's kind of like you know everything's right there on the edge you know they they like each other they know they like each other but they also they're so uncertain plus circumstances of you know everything that's going on around them Mm. just make it you know so they just can't come together at that moment and the kiss that they share as well is so melodramatically silly and over the top right like he's just about to jump off of this you know speeding cars he jumps onto a stealth bomber to take out the red skull and just before he jumps she grabs him and pulls him back to kiss him before he goes again it's it's profoundly silly but it's completely in keeping with the tone of the film the sort of the as i said that sort of like action serial tone that they seem to be to be going with and yeah no like i said i think a lot of the groundwork that that made me love this character so much is done here um oh yeah and it's even less even more remarkable because like captain as i said captain america is not somebody that i 
particularly enjoyed in the comics. So um, I was as surprised as anyone that there's definitely some good runs this. in the comic books. So oh yeah, yeah. I, I I don't doubt it. I just think maybe I've I've I've, <laughs> I've maybe not come across the thing that's jived for me. I think the thing I've read him in most is um is Mark Miller's Ultimate Run, where he's just oh, an insufferable yeah. asshole from he's a, what's he's a to bastard finish. in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. And again, I, I I understand what Miller's going for. Um, you know, like I, I do get the satire that he's playing there, but right. uh, you know, it, it wears. But, thin but Miller is definitely coming at it from a different perspective too. Mm-hmm. That you know, and it and it's and it's weird too because like that's not who Captain America is, and like that's no, fine. No, no. It's the Ultimate Universe. I'll, I'll I'll you know I'll I'll give it a pass on that. But like main six one six you know, Marvel is, you know, a much better character. And don't get me wrong, the the some of the storylines in the comic books are kind of up and down. Um it just mm-hmm. depends on the the writers and stuff like that. But uh, uh Ed Brubaker's run is is super fantastic. It's right. um uh starts with the 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 Winter Soldier um you know Bucky coming back and everything. Um which of course I'll maybe give, know, I'll maybe give influences a, because... a lot of the yeah yeah, because I, I, like I said, I, I just I've never really stumbled across a, a cap run, a solo run that's really done it for me. So yeah, I'm maybe I'll maybe give definitely that, give, give that the Ed Brubaker mm. run a a, a a read because that is probably one of the best um, runs ever uh, on that mm. title, um, and it's a good long run too. Um, so so you get really into the in, into a lot of you know who Steve is. Um, and a lot of a lot of the stuff that they pull in for Winter Soldier, um, the movie, um, mm-hmm. is, is pulled from those uh, um, uh, pulled from those comics. Uh, so mm-hmm. much so that Ed Brubaker himself gets to play a character in that movie. Oh, cool, um, so cool. <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, but yeah, uh, getting back to this one, it's it's th- this one's um, going back to the kiss you mentioned too. I think it's funny too because yes, it's melodramatic and everything like that, but they immediately let all that tension out of it too yeah, because he looks yeah. over at. At, at, at Phillips and he's like I'm not kissing you and, so, <laughs> and Tommy Lee Jones is so perfect for the general role in this it's just it's so good that he's just you know it, it's there's you know, a, there's it, a real, I, I don't know there's he a real sense that, that gruffness perfect yeah there's a real sense that on set he showed up and he said right how, how do you want me to play this and Joe Johnson just said well just be Tommy Lee Jones if you could do that <laughs> right. like that's that's fine and every line of dialogue is just it's just delivered in that sort of like text and drawl that he has. It, yeah. it's, I, I just recently watched um, The Fugitive for another podcast uh, on the okay. Media's network um, called, uh, do you know what? I can't remember the name of the podcast. It's one of Tony's many, 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 many podcasts <laughs> that he runs. Um, but it, it covers oh, it's his like new classic, 90s one, right? That's it, yeah. Co- covers classic yeah. 90 movies. And as on we're we're talking about the fugitive, and um, yeah, I was I was just reminded of how great Tommy Lee Jones can be when he's interested, but you know, even for a film like this where he's clearly just shown up for, I mean, they must have only had him for a few days, you know. I don't imagine he was there right. long, but he he's just like he, he's just so gruff and gr- grumbly throughout the entire film that every single line of dialogue it, it comes it comes across it comes to life so well, um, like throughout the entire film, every time he doesn't get a lot to do. But he said that I'm not going to kiss you line is absolutely brilliant. That that absolutely you know it cracks me up every single time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah he's he's terrific here. And and again that, that kind of ties into that thing I said earlier about how every every part here is cast so well. Yes. Um, yeah. 
there is one thing I wanted to ask you about to, to get your take on this, uh, Robert, and that's what, what do you think of Sebastian Stan in this movie as Bucky Barnes? Because I'll be honest, every time I return to this film, I find him really a bit bland, to be honest, you know? Um, and, and I think he improves as the MCU goes on. Like, I, I don't think it, right. I, I don't have a problem with him now. I think he kind of he warms up to ironically for someone playing the Winter Soldier, but like, yeah, I just yeah. I, I remember. I, I mean, I do wonder if the general audience watching this really knew that he would be coming back as the Winter Soldier. You know, if you went a comics geek, would you think, oh, I wonder, if, I wonder if his best pal will be back at some point? I I really yeah. don't know. I mean, what, what do you think? Am I being harsh? Um, no, I don't think you're being harsh. I think that you know the character. The, the the I think the issue with it is that the character is um a different version of who Bucky Barnes was in the comic books because mm. in the comic books he was like a 16 year old kid who was just happened to become Captain America he like discovered Captain America's secret identity because in the comic books of course there were tons of secret identities nobody was known who they were so in in the comic books Captain America was like you could only know who he really was uh, if you had, you know, high clearance or whatever like that. Yeah. And Bucky was this kid and he stumbled into uh, Steve's tent um, when he was changing into his Captain America outfit. And so he then was just like, okay, well, you know, let me be your partner. And, you know, um, you know, in the comic books world, it was okay to put a 16 year old out there, you know, <laughs> you know, as Captain America's <laughs> partner, just shooting down Nazis, which, you know, whatever it's comic books and yeah. so i think you know it was a different dynamic um in the, in the comic books and it was a different character in the comic books so that when you get to the movie for those so i think that was kind of like maybe the writers just didn't have a full handle on who he was they wanted to mm. still have that relationship of them being really good friends and partners um but they had to change the dynamic somewhat um in a way and so it 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 wasn't bad, but yeah, I agree. It's kind of bland here in this in in this first movie because this is really Captain America's story, and we don't really get a feel for who Bucky is mm -hmm. outside of who he is to Steve. Um, and that's you know his his character doesn't get much development, and it gets he gets more development in in subsequent uh, uh, movies. So. Yeah, you know, I, th I think that's probably right. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm always surprised every time I go back to it because I quite like uh, Sebastian Stan in the rest of the MCU. Oh, and yeah, then going back and to he's a great actor. Yeah, but every time I go back to this film, I kind of, I'm, I'm shocked again, you know what I mean, by how little an impact <laughs> he kind of makes in it. Because, yeah, you're right, he, he's very, very good, but here it just it feels like there is something missing. Um, yeah. One of the other things that I, I always find fascinating about this film is the parallels between this and an Iron Man. Um, with mm. one one key respect, which is that both Tony and Steve are kind of set on their path by the death of a kindly scientific mentor, um, <laughs> yeah. and Doctor Erskine here, played by Stanley Tucci. Oh my God! Talk about like talk about just great getting a great character for a, a for an almost a great actor for an almost nothing role. I mean, there's not really much here to this, and yet. There is such warmth about Stanley Tucci that it can, you can't help but see that bleed through into the performance and into what is you know a quite perfunctory character. But like every every scene he has with either Steve or uh, Tommy Lee Jones or Agent Carter, 
it just sparkles, you know, and, and it makes what could be quite a sort of a rote scene or quite a sort of perfunctory dialogue heavy or exp, you know, exposition heavy scene. It just makes it much easier and more palatable to enjoy. And again, it's Stanley Tucci is just, um, you know, mainlining pure magic on the screen every time he shows up <laughs> in this film. No, absolutely. I think that's that's the magic of Stanley Tucci himself yeah. as an actor is that in any movie you see him in, no matter how big or small the role, he is just magnetic. Yeah, he is just yeah. he is so good of an actor that you were just dazzled by anything that he's in, like, you know, uh, the Hunger Games, uh, Easy A, uh, The yeah. Devil Wears Prada, everything big or small. He's so good in and you just want more of them. Um, I remember I so, remember seeing the Easy A when I was in my 30s yes. and, and thinking to myself, oh, God, I wish Stanley Tucci was my dad. That'd be great. You know, he's, <laughs> I, he's just like the greatest dad in the world in that film. So you know, I kind of. I'm 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 not gonna lie. I kind of model my parenting off of that. Yeah, <laughs> I try to be thing, that yeah. kind of parent. Yeah. So yeah. you know, like once I once I saw him, like you know, I already kind of was like that anyway. But like mm -hmm. definitely after that point, I was just like, man, he's so good of a dad. You know, that's the kind of dad I want to be. And yeah. so, you know, <laughs> I hope he's and like so that he, in real life. I hope I hope that's how he is. That's how I imagine Stanley Tucci to be now. Oh that's yeah, that's set in my head. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you can kind of see it. And I think that's what it is, too, is I think that Stanley Tucci brings his natural self into most, if not all, of his roles. And so you can feel just that 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 warmth and personality that comes from him in each of those roles. And so yeah. even when even when he is a bastard, which you see in other movies, mm. um, you know, the ones I named, he was actually good people. But, uh, you know, it's you know, you still feel that, you know, there's something there to him that makes him good. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I think it's interesting too, because there's a new hunger games movie coming out and they got Jason Schwartzman playing a, um, like a, a, a older relative, somebody who um, like his grandfather or something like that mm -hmm. uh, of the character oh, that cool. he plays in the thing. So it's, it's, you know, he, he's got to kind of, play a very similar role in that way <laughs> that uh you know you got to stanley tucci it up you know so <laughs> but yeah uh, no he's fantastic in this and, and and you know just the interplay between him and chris evans as as skinny steve and everything it's so good it's it's so perfect in terms of you know that they're where they're coming at from um in, in terms of what they want out of this and mm -hmm. you know and and that and that plays into uh, Steve's Steve's character itself too because you know he wants to live up to what Erskine wanted in in in, in terms of his super soldier you know and so since he's the only one you know who who benefited from from his um um uh, serum then mm -hmm. you know he's got to be this living embodiment of of that and i think you know that that propels part of his character along you know it's also part of who steve is but that also plays into it mm, yeah and yeah, no, i think that's right um can i can i ask you a question robert this is sure, this was this is something that i was i was talking to my daughter about today um <laughs> after i watched the movie who do you prefer okay do you prefer dominic cooper or john slattery as your howard stark ah that's tough. Um, yeah, it's tough. 
I think, you know, Slattery plays great um, kind of world weary, older, uh, older Howard, um, who's been around, who's seen it all. Who's Mm kind of just like, you kind of feel like he's just done, Um, you know, (laughs) but Dominic Cooper does such a great job at almost like you feel like you can understand where Tony comes from because yes. uh-huh. Dominic Cooper's portrayal is the early on kind of smarmy ish. Um, he's, you know, uh, you know, always trying to uh, 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 get with uh, Haley Atwell uh, or with uh, agent Carter <laughs> and uh, kind of, you know, always, always kind of like that, you know, he's very Tony in, 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 in a lot of ways. And so you can kind of see where, you know, they, they did that, you know, cause they wanted to show, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm. Um, so it, it's it's interesting to so I, I kind of like both it's hard to choose really um and we get more <laughs> of dominic cooper that's what's funny too is like it you, you know you feel like he's only going to be this one-off and then he gets some extra time in the the agent carter uh series so we get a little bit more more fun with him uh yeah uh later on so. uh, see I, honestly i find it very difficult to to tell uh, who, who I would prefer to see more of. I, I always remember the first time that, that I saw Endgame <clears throat> and, uh, you know, John Slattery's version of the character meets Tony. Uh, yeah. and I just, uh, what, what I'd hoped is that we would later in the, in the same scene that he would meet Steve, but he'd be played by Dominic Cooper and we could just jump between the two depending on what scene we were getting. <laughs> because because that's the only one, you know, they, they, they've kept them very strictly apart, you know, like Tony Stark... Robert Downey Jr.'s character has never interacted or seen any version of the Dominic Cooper one. And right, Steve, yeah. Steve has never seen John Slattery. So yeah, I quite like the idea of that. That may just be me. Um, yeah, I, I'm like you. I, I like the way that, that that Cooper plays this. He does feel like you know, like a, almost like a Robert Downey Jr. St- not a, not an impression because that, no. that that's that's disingenuous. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of Howard Hughes about this performance as well. Yes, yeah. Um, and yeah, no, and again, like this is a film from Joe Johnson, so you can't help yes. but be reminded of the Rocketeer when you're watching him as well, <laughs> uh, which I think is terrific. Um, nice little, a nice little homage to his own little cinematic universe. Um, yes. But yeah, I, 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 I'm inclined to say probably Dominic Cooper, but only because we, as you said, you get to spend a lot more time with him really if you're if yeah. you're a fan of Agent Carter. Um, and and John John Slattery's great. John Slattery's always great. He's one of those actors who's just always terrific. He understands the assignment. I believe yes, is the phrase yes. every time he shows up. Um, but yeah, you yeah, know, I I just I, I again, this is another way, one of these moments where even this early on, Marvel are cog are cognizant of how important it is and how unique it could be to link all these films with these little things. Yes, I imagine there'll be a lot of people who will have watched this entire film. And not really got the fact that that was meant to be Tony Stark's dad. You know, it's maybe just not registered right. for them. You know, because they're not that invested in it. But again, if you are, oh my god, it's like catnip. It's like, can you believe they're doing this? That they're actually building this universe. Uh, well, yeah, and then I love it. You know, and then we get you know one of the fun Easter eggs. Um, you know, uh, involves you know the early um bit with Howard Stark, but just before that. Uh, they're kind of panning across uh, the whole this whole World's Fair type thing, and mm-hmm. you get to see in this tube is this what looks like a mannequin with a red suit on, um, but it's you know obviously for eagle-eyed Marvel Comics fans <laughs> that is the original Android Human Torch, yeah, um, and it's such a good like nod 
to comics history um, that it's such a throwaway too. It's just like you, you have to be watching and you know, if you're paying attention, you get that nice little Easter egg and it's yeah. so good. Um, so, you know, sure. I would love to see more of that, you know, the, the original Android human torch. Um, but you know, we're obviously it's fascinating. Not get yeah, that anytime soon. <laughs> it's fascinating that they never went back to that. Though I agree with you, I thought that's something that they were kind of bedding in for somewhere down the line because obviously there were rights issues previously when it came to the Fantastic Four, which have now abated. And right. uh, so I do agree. I don't, I don't think we will see anything, uh, you know, from that. But which is a shame. Yeah. But but again, like you said, for the eagle-eyed viewer who will, like you and I, go back and watch this film like a dozen <laughs> times, it's just great. I love all these little things that, that they that they they plant in there for you. Um. I, I can't believe we've been talking for this long and we haven't really discussed <laughs> Hugo Weaving's performance. I was just about Red to Skull. say, we need how, to talk about possible? him as the Red Skull. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. Hugo Weaving is so good. Like, this is the yeah. thing. Like, he plays, like, he has found this interesting niche for his uh, abilities that is, you know, playing these really good bad guys. Mm. Um, these really sinister, because he's got, he's got such a great voice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and in this, he's using the German accent, but, you know, in general, he's got this great voice uh, that's unmistakable and, you know, and, and playing such a sinister character. And I love the <laughs> the, the kind of twist on uh, on on the uh, the Red Skull character. Again, this is what is interesting about the MCU. And, uh, you know, and and I think that most um, people who started out complaining about the MCU and how it deviated so much from the comic books. I think over time they've gotten used to it and they're just like, okay, we're along for the ride. You know, mm-hmm. and me myself, I've been a hardcore Marvel fan since I was a kid. Um, yeah. And, you know, as much as, you know, sure. I would love to see them like do straight adaptations of stuff. I actually still, I think it's better that they don't and that they're doing uh, characters and situations they're making this universe its own mm-hmm. and you know in that you know they took the red skull and made him this interesting other character he connected it to erskine um and, and connected to the super soldier uh program that and that you know they they made him um because he wasn't the in the comic books he wasn't the creator of hydra um and you know he was he's always been portrayed as just a nazi and in this, yeah, yeah. they're like, he's above being a Nazi. He's like, Nazi is just a, you know, Hitler and the Nazi party is just a stepping stone for him to get the power he wants because he's beyond that. You know, mm. he's beyond all these these petty concerns of of things because he just wants to get the Tesseract and the power for himself, you know, and to become a yeah. god. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting take on the character that elevates it so much better than what we get even get in the comic books most of the time so yeah yeah no i i agree yeah my, my daughter said to me when we were watching this like does hugo even only play bad guys and, and i said so why and she said because he just looks evil he looks like a terrifying <laughs> evil man yeah okay that, that's probably fair um yeah but yeah there is an element of that you know there's something sinister about a sinister energy about him um and i think he's great in this he just you know he, he really imbues the villain character here with a sort of cartoon gusto and he just like eats up the screen every time that he, that he appears um 
it's so disappointing to hear that he really didn't enjoy his time on the film. I think that's maybe a lot to do with the makeup, I think I remember reading. Um, but I don't think that creeps into his performance at all. I think, you know, we still get an absolutely uh, top-tier MCU villain. My, my, my disappointment is that the, they've never really gone back to the, uh, the Red Skull well. Um, you know, yeah. I, 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 now he does appear obviously in Infinity War and Endgame as a sort of like the keeper of the Soul Stone, which was a really cool use. And I love the imagery that they, that they use with him there. But right. Red Skull's one of like the big Marvel villains, isn't he? You know, like when you, when you yeah. come to 616 comics, like he is one of the main villains over the last like 60 years, constantly reappearing in different guises and reinventing yeah. himself. And I, I, I love all that stuff. And it does feel that they've kind of like they've, they've written themselves into a corner here because by making him the keeper of the soul stone, you know, uh, on Vormir, I don't think there really is a way that they can bring him back into sort of yeah. continuity un until they do what, whatever the hell it is they're going to do with uh, Secret Wars, which I still yeah. think it, I still think that's going to give us a soft reset. Not not you know it's not going to be like yeah. it, like all oh, this didn't happen. It'll just be a soft reset of the universe, and they can you know move some pieces around it as, as they see fit. Um, but yeah, like he, he's he's terrific in this film, and uh, he doesn't show up much. So when he does show up, he has to leave an impact. And every single yeah. season, he's great. And like you said, they do a good job in like, right, this guy's evil. How how can we make him evil? Well, let's just see, he's worse <laughs> than the Nazis. How about that? Oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah. He's worse than the Nazis. It's a, it's also <laughs> a good way to have your World War Two movie and not use any Nazi iconography. You know, there, there are very, yeah. I think there are like one or two swastikas in the opening 10, 15 minutes of this film. And then after that, it's, it's the weird sort of Hydra symbols and stuff the that you see everywhere. And, and and I'm a fan of that. Uh, if we, it, like the less, um, I was going to say glorification, but I don't mean that. But the, the less Nazi iconography I see in my movies, the right. better, to be quite frank with you, um, especially given the, the current political climate and the way things are going. Um, I, I don't want to see a swastika anywhere near a Marvel property if I yeah. can avoid it. Uh, and and I, I do think that they, they do a good job here. Um, the, the, he gets a couple of lovely moments in, in this film. I, I, his, his unmasking uh, in the factory while everything's exploding around <laughs> him and, and he takes his face off is genuinely ghoulish and very it's like a proper horror movie moment yeah um, you know when when cat punches him and like <laughs> like his his face is moved slightly and like you know he's <laughs> yeah. got that little gap under his eye and i remember being utterly astounded i didn't know what was going on at this point i still hadn't really pieced it together <laughs> that he was already the red skull um although i should have done because they have that great scene early in the movie when uh the, the artist is painting a portrait of him yes yeah I, I I don't know the name of the actor, so I do apologize to him. But like that actor's face is magnificent throughout <laughs> that scene. And, like the way he responds. So horrified to, the yeah, whole time. To everything that the uh, the Red Skull says with the pure horror he's horrified, terrified, even rolls his eyes a couple of times when when, uh, when, to, when Toby Jones' his arm and Zola says, It is it is a masterpiece. And like he rolls his eyes like, oh God, another one. I, like, <laughs> That whole scene is, again, it's pure camp silliness, but uh, it works really well with the rest of the tone of the movie. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really, I, I think he's, I think he's great in this film. No, absolutely. I agree. I think that, you know, it is definitely a missed opportunity and it's something of a problem that um, comic book movies in general have, but um, the MCU, um, I, I think they try to, to do it better. Um, but uh 
comic book movies in general have a tendency to kill the villain rather than capture the villain. And it becomes Mm -hmm. a problem for future installments. Um, It's like, look, I get you don't want to go back to that villain, but you kind of have to sometimes, you know, like maybe make them a mastermind of something else down the road, you know? And it's like, that's the kind of thing like Loki. Loki is great because he does recur. You know, Mm. you've got this character who was the villain in Thor. Then he's the, you know, one of the villains, you know, the major villain in the Avengers. And then he's, you know, kind of pops up here and there as this like thorn in everybody's side, which is perfect. It's also in keeping with who Loki is as a character in general. But I often, it's like if you had somebody like that, like a Thanos, like, you know, with Thanos, he kept popping up here and there. But, you know, if you can defeat Thanos and, you know, but he can still come back, that's what's great. And so every time they kill yeah. off a villain, I'm always like it always frustrates me so much. And then having Red Skull do that and just vanish and then never come back. And then when we do finally get him to come back, it's in this weird position rather than, you know, kind of what we had hoped to to do and it's don't get me wrong it's great that he's in that role but you know it's great that we get to see him but it's like but that's not how we want him Mm -hmm. but but isn't that one of the central problems though because phase one in particular uh with with a few exceptions they do generally keep a lot of the villains alive don't they because you'd they do yeah you've got justin hammer and iron man 2 you've got abomination abomination hulk um you get loki who falls to his doom but of course we all knew at the time that, that he was popping up in Avengers so he'd be back yeah. uh, and, and then again here uh, Schmidt I, I mean I, even in the cinema the first time I watched this I didn't think he was dead I, th- I thought it was very yeah. clear that he was being he was being teleported Whisked somewhere, away somewhere. Yeah. yeah so I, I think the problem that that then created was and I don't know about you but like I'm forever waiting for some of these films to pop up again and they never do yeah like Every time there was a new big film coming, I was like, ah, this will be it. The Red Skull will be back in this one. And, you know, definitely. <laughs> I, I remember Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I was, I I and everybody I know was convinced that Alexander Pierce was going to be revealed as the, <laughs> the Red, Red Skull, Skull at the end. Yeah. And that, Which would have been, been like, would have been a great reveal yeah, too. Because it would have made perfect sense. There's, they're in the comic books. So that's the, you know, I always go back to the comics with this stuff. During the John Walker kind of saga, uh, and, and everything that was going mm. on, Captain America had put down um, the government wanted to kind of control his actions. And uh, Steve was like, nope, not going to do it. So he gave mm-hmm. up being Captain America. He went on to become another character called the captain. Um, and it's it's um, it, it was he, he had a very similar costume. He had a shield that Tony gave him. Um, and so it was very <laughs> similar. He was still just Captain America. He was just in a different outfit. And then um uh, and John Walker you know, became Captain America, and we get that in 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 the Falcon and Winter Soldier mm-hmm. series. But uh, at the same time, uh, the Red Skull had come back um, and had, I guess, transferred his essence. Might be mi- remembering this, uh, uh, misremembering this, but um, he had transferred his 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 mind into like a clone body, and it was a clone of Steve. And ah. so, and so it. You know, it was interesting that, you know, he um, he had this. Um, so being that he was uh, uh, played by the Alexander Pierce was played by um, Robert Redford and has kind of almost a Captain America look to him um, would have yeah. been kind of would have been kind of interesting to get that where it had been this older character who looked very Captain America esque and had really been 
like red skull underneath it all so that would have been a fun uh uh, uh takedown of that especially being you know one of the leaders of hydra and everything so that that would have been uh a, a fun uh twist on that but of course that's not what they did so <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I, i'm still forever waiting for for uh justin hamill to return uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest <laughs> with you i i am i am so disappointed that we've, we haven't seen sam rockwell back in the mcu in some capacity because yes he's i mean not to turn this into the iron man 2 podcast but iron man 2 is a film that <laughs> i don't think is, again it's not terrible but it has a lot of problems but I'll tell you what, Sam Rockwell is not one of those problems. He is no, one of the no, he's excellent highlights yeah. for me. Yeah, he's terrific. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I do think that's maybe something that's in their head that they don't want people expecting every villain that they've seen to return. You know, yeah, I wonder if that's a part yeah. of it. Um, yeah. So it, it will be interesting to to see. But because I, I do think you're right. I think as as the MCU moves on, there's been a real like we've lost some real great villains that I wish we that they hadn't. Mm-hmm. Killmonger is the one that jumps out to me. Like yeah. is, is the most is the biggest waste because you know put him in a cell somewhere and let me see him in five years and you know we'll see what he's doing. Yeah. Um, Thanos, I, I was okay with them killing Thanos because that it had to feel like an end. You know, we were losing Tony at that right. point. It had to feel like the end of the phase. So I don't mind. And and again, let's be honest. If they want Thanos back, he'll be back. They'll, they'll work out somewhere to do it. Oh yeah. World, yeah. But I'm, I'm still Thanos, not convinced. Thanos in the most... comic books has a habit of dying and coming back. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm not convinced that we're, we've seen the last of Steve either in, in some capacity at some point. So like, you know, yeah. everybody, everybody will be back at some point. I think if you're a, if you're a comic book movie fan or a comic book fan in general, you just need to make peace of that. You know, you can yeah. enjoy the emotional beats when they come but always have in the back of your head that all of this can be undone if they want it to be so don't worry too absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a it, things change all the time so we may mm-hmm. you know we may see some of our favorite characters back they might not be played by the same actors um but you know we'll get some of our favorite characters back and hopefully exactly, played exactly. By, hopefully played by equally uh fun actors uh mm. yeah you know but the you know this movie is such a fun adventure. It's it's you know the acting is stellar. The 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 plot is really good. The the each scenario is really good. It, it's so fun, and you know, and we get to have this um you know this advanced tech thing that they do with the guns and stuff. They imbue each each of these weapons with tesseract energy, um, and so you know it's this this neat little retro sci-fi action adventure story that fits so well with what Joe Johnston does. You know, if, if you, if you've watched the rocketeer, Mm. the rocketeer and first Avenger can, would like coexist so well in a universe together. Um, and I know, I know yeah. they actually tried to bring the what Rocketeer. What great double bill that would be. Yeah. They actually tried to bring the Rocketeer into the Marvel Universe at some point. Um, they really wanted to, you know, have have that oh, character wow. in there. Um, it was like, I guess it was just like a little idea that they they tossed around, um, but they 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 couldn't make it work. Uh, but I think it would work perfectly well. I think that it, you know, would be such a good addition i mean it'd be fun to see you know some rocketeer and captain america adventures <laughs> but uh you know who knows yeah, yeah absolutely what I'll we'll do. That. yeah i would love to see more <laughs> rocketeer in general anyway but yeah no i think that you know it's it's it this is a good movie it's such a good solid standout um uh for phase one like we said you know iron man was a great start we had little you know 
funkiness in the middle. And then, you know, Captain America, um, you know, comes back strong. And then, you know, we get the Avengers, you know, which was which was great. And so, you know, it was, it, you know, the MCU. And this is what always frustrates me about people who, because the MCU kind of, uh, you know, ended well with uh, Endgame, with Phase 3 ended so well, that people forget that the MCU kind of has its ups and downs, you know, and that you you kind of, you have to kind of give the good with the bad um, and that mm. not everything is going to work fully, um, you know, because everything's not for everybody. Sometimes they're going to tell a story that may not be all that important, but they're just trying to tell a different story. They like with the Eternals, you know, the Eternals is maybe not everybody's cup of tea. It wasn't fully my cup of tea, but they're telling a story that may have implications later on down the road. And I think that's sometimes what they do, yeah. like with Thor and like with, you know, with some of these other stories that um, they didn't quite gel completely, but they were part of this whole um, story that, you know, is, is what makes Marvel um, in general, the comic books and movies. It makes it this fascinating tapestry rather than just the the piece like the sum the sum total i think is better than you know the individual pieces so mm. yeah and i think i would agree with that um it's it, again going back to these early movies it's been a real treat for me because it's been a real while since I've, I've watched them um and and it's nice to see like you said the, the tone might be a little bit up and down you know and the quality might right. be a little bit all over the place um but there's more than enough here to enjoy in all of these films i think even the ones that don't quite hang together as a, as a whole sometimes you know there's enough in there that, that holds my attention uh, i iron man 2 is, is probably the weakest for me of all these i know a lot of people would yeah. say it's the incredible hulk but for me it's iron man 2 um but I wouldn't even go as far as to say it's not a good film. I still think it's a, it's an enjoyable time. Um, it's just you know it's a little bit confused within itself, and um, yeah. it's probably the best example of the the MCU trying to work out how best to serve its individual stories as well as its grander narrative at the same time. They didn't quite have the formula right then, but like I think by the time you hit Avengers, it's kind of found its stride with that. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, you you know even going into phase two, there's a couple of hiccups here and there, but I think that you know it's they they started to figure it out after uh, the Avengers. I think you know you know trying to do what they did because they were trying to build to the Avengers, and that's a that's a complicated process. You know, mm. you've got to get the right um, tone and the right writers and everything to kind of lead that way. And you know they they definitely um you know, have some issues with trying to do that. I think they've kind of, you know, gotten to a point where they've gotten better at it uh, overall, where they, you know, pepper in these things rather than kind of hammer in them. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see them kind of figuring it out as they go along. And that's, what's fun about going back and watching these movies as well is that you go back and you get to see all this and you get to see kind of like, you know, the strings being pulled um, from that, you know, from our, you know, much farther along perspective of just how kind of rough things were back in the day mm, yeah, yeah. and how they somehow managed to make it work. Um, and, and that's a testament to, 
uh, Kevin Feige himself, who kind of steers the whole ship along mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. just trying to, you know, he's experimenting here and there, you know, but, um, you know, it's 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 nice to see that there's somebody on track, somebody keeping the whole thing, you know, on that track. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it look, just look, has made it more fun. Look, I mean, as, as we sit here in 2022, we are 32 <laughs> movies into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there was always going to be issues, and there's always going to be, you know, creaks in certain uh, certain parts of the of the franchise. Um, I still don't buy into any of the, you know, the superhero fatigue thing that we're hearing. It's not superhero oh, fatigue; it, it's bad movie fatigue. I think that's what it is. Our people, uh, yeah. you know, people, and and like COVID has changed the landscape for for what a blockbuster could be expected to make. I think in a lot of ways, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these mid range Marvel films just aren't going to hit the, the billion dollars, you know, that they were doing yeah. once upon a time. But I tell you what, by the time we get around to the Kang Dynasty or whatever it will be called at the time, by the time it releases, <laughs> uh, by the time we get there, I, I bet you that film pulls in about a billion dollars because people will turn out for an Avengers movie and. I think I've said yeah. this before to you on your podcast, possibly. When we when we get the X Men, people will turn out for the X Men movie. When we get the Fantastic oh, yeah. Four, people will turn out for the Fantastic Four. So, um, I just think we are, you know, we just need to trust the process at the moment. Um, and yeah, it's not perfect at the moment. You know, it's had a little bit of a road bump, but I've yeah. got faith in them to kind of get it back on track. No, agreed. I think that you know it, it, it's. You know, like you said, the landscape has changed. I did, I think this is the this is the interesting thing is is that Feige is making the movies that he wants to make. Um, and um, you know, box office be damned. Like, you know, he he's going to sure he would like them to make good money, but the reality is is that movies just aren't making that kind of money anymore. So I think he's mm-hmm. trying to make these more mid tier uh, movies that don't have to make as much. Um, I think the the budgets are still out of control, and I don't. But I don't think that's necessarily uh, yeah. mm-hmm. on his end. Um, that's the studios being weird and throwing way too much money at things. Um, yeah, no, I think and, that's uh, that's exactly it. It's uh, the, the yeah. budgets need to be reined in. Um, I, I also quite like the fact that they've been very open in the last six months about the fact that they they plan to uh, scale back the amount of content that they're releasing. You know, <laughs> they're they're really going to change the way in which they do things, so there won't be as many TV shows. Um, you know, you might the films that they've announced will still be coming, but they won't be coming quite right. as quickly as they've said. All that's fine. I mean, I, I'm I'm a very patient man, Robert. I really am. I, I'm I'm patient, but I like these. I like for me, it's been <laughs> exciting and fun. And so them talking about scaling back, I'm like, oh man, come on! I was really excited for stuff. And so I, you know, it's 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 I, fine. I, it's whatever. But you know, I, do I, I know hate what you to mean. see them scaling it back. No, I, I do know yeah. what you mean, but I'm all for scaling it back if it means that they're going. There'll be more of a focus on the certain quality things. will get better. Yeah, yeah. and because be I do, I do agree that some of the quality has been kind of a little funky. Mm-hmm. So, to be honest, and that goes it, into what we were saying earlier about Secret Invasion as well. So, mm. a, a lot of it though, as well, is for the VFX artists. I mean, how many yes, stories they need more time. This year? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like the the Quantum Mania guys were, were kind of like had, were talking to the press after that film bombed or was critically sort of torn asunder and a, a lot of the, the the vfx artists talked about how you know they had resources taken away from them and given to uh wakanda forever to to get that film finished on time and to, and to work on the effects for that uh which led to you know the, the captain america quantum not captain america sorry 
which led to Ant-Man Quantumania being released. I wouldn't say unfinished, but there are certainly VFX shots in there that, that could have required a lot more work, but they, they were right. you know under pressure just to get it out. So, yeah, take your time with them. You know, I am yeah. patient. I, 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 if, you, if, I, if I go from getting four Marvel films a year to just two and maybe one TV show, I can live with that. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I don't know, by all means, if you, if you can facilitate giving me it all at a high quality without putting pressure on people to do it. But if you have right. to slow it down, it's all right. I, I'll, I'll still turn up, you know, I'm still going to be there for those movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still opening night. Oh, yeah. No, I'll always be there opening night or, you know, if it's a TV series, I'm always there like first day. Like I'm always watching. Yeah, I'm the same. Like as soon as possible. So I get it. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, to, to give the VFX guys more time, you know, and, and, and to let maybe the writers have more time to kind of like, you know, get it, get us, get a better sense because, you know, as much as I, I have enjoyed, I would say 90% of the television shows, some of them have been kind of uneven and feel mm. like maybe if they'd had a little bit more time to work out some of the kinks, maybe they would have made things just that much better. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. then I think, you know, so it just kind of like, it's definitely catch 22. I would love as much as possible, but I want them <laughs> to focus better. And I want them to be able to give the VFX people more time. Um, I'm not one of those sticklers who really like, will be like, oh, well, I can see the seams or like, you know, VF some of these VFX shots are so bad or whatever. I'm just like, I'm so, I'm so much enjoying the, pro like yeah. enjoying the movie that I don't even see that stuff. Like it doesn't even like that, that kind of stuff doesn't even bother me so much that I'm just enjoying the the whole thing as it, just being immersed in being able to see Marvel content on the screen. And so I'm exactly, know, but that's not to say that I would yeah. have loved to have seen a better version of she Hulk uh, in mm, terms of mm -hmm. the quality of her animation. Um, yeah. It was I, better I than the trailers we got, but it was still like, <laughs> there's yeah. still bits and pieces there. They're just kind of like, uh, the VFX could have been just a bit better. And that's, again, not the VFX artist's fault, except for the fact that they weren't given the time and resources to do what they needed to do. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, I get swept up in the story much more than I worry about yeah. the VFX, but it tends to be, I'm sure like you, I watch these things quite a lot. You know, I go back to them often. <laughs> yeah. um, and so when I go back to them, that's when I tend to go out a more critical eye. But yeah, I'm the same, when I'm in the cinema on opening day, when I went to see Quantumania, anyone who listened to podcast 6, yeah, will be familiar with this. I went to see Quantumania. I'd avoided all spoilers, all reviews, hadn't seen anything. And I came out of that film, me and my daughter, we were laughing away. Was like, oh, well, you know, it, it, it's not perfect. And there was something that I didn't like, but like, we had a good time. I enjoyed that film. You know, it made me, it made me laugh and laugh. Um, you know, Modoc remains one of my the absolute <laughs> high points of this phase for me. It cracked me up no end, but, um, so yeah, we came out having quite enjoyed it, and and then I went online and I was like, "What what movie did you guys see? Because you know, right, why why are you so angry? Just let let it go. It's it's all right. Who hurt you? Right. Who hurt you guys? Just tell me." <laughs> well, I remember because I was on that episode of Six One Six for uh, for Quantum Mania, and it was just like, you know, I don't know what movie everybody else is watching, but this was a good time. Like I had a great time with that movie, and so. You know, whatever, you know, and again, like I'm a fan of the character of Kang. So, you know, any chance for me to be able to see that kind of, you mm. know, that that character taken on and, you know, by and, and by an actor that was 
as good as Jonathan Majors. Mm -hmm. As an actor, he's excellent. As a person, maybe not so much. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, you know, to be able to see something like that on screen was just like fantastic. And like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to still say, you know, sure, whatever VFX issues are aside, it's still a good movie. That's what frustrates me, too, (laughs) is like people will sit there and go, oh, well, the VFX make it such a crap movie. And I'm like, yes, but what about the storytelling? Like, you're not talking to me about what the story is is saying. Did you enjoy the story? Well, the VFX. No, 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 no. You're not telling me the right thing here. You know? Yeah. yeah. But that to me, people focus on that. And to me, when people tell me that kind of stuff, when they say that kind of stuff, you're paying attention to the wrong things about the movie and you're not really enjoying the movie for the movie. You're going in to nitpick about stupid crap that I don't care about. Like that, Mm -hmm. that, that, that doesn't overall matter to the movie in general. Sure. Don't get me wrong. In a movie like that, you want good visual effects, but is it still serving the story? You know, is the story mm-hmm. still good enough in the long run that you can enjoy it without worrying about the VFX? What's what's going on in the background? Who cares about what's mm-hmm. going on in the background? What's happening in the in the movie itself? Ugh, yeah, drives me yeah. crazy. Yeah, pe- <laughs> people are cray cray. People are cray cray. Um, oh, to, to to bring us screaming back towards <laughs> Captain America: The First Avenger. Just before we we wrap what, up, were we talking can, about that? But yeah, can, can I can I just gush very quickly about my two favorite scenes in that in that film? Of course, and then, and then I'll get out your hair. I promise. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give you peace. <laughs> um, I just I, I I couldn't not mention the transformation scene in this film. I think without, oh, yes. um before I go, it is magnificent. Um. You know, like the the special effects that they use to give a skinny Steve is—they're generally quite good. There's a few moments where you can kind of see the seams a little bit, but yes, but generally, yeah. I think it, it it works really well. But my God, <laughs> you know, when you've got all that sort of like forty styled uh, t- high tech equipment, you know, where there's like dials and giant buttons and wheels everywhere <laughs> that they're turning. I mean, that is absolutely my jam. That is so cool. Um, and then obviously when they open up and you know. <laughs> There's our Steve, you know, absolutely buffed to the max. Those ridiculous rippling buff and glistening. And, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, how? Uh, of course, Agent Carter fell in love with them there. I mean, I fell in love with them there as well. Um, but that that whole scene's terrific. I mean, like the, the moment where he, she's he's standing next to Peggy, and you know, she can't help but reach her hand she out, reaches to touch out and touch and which was an ad back. lib too. Yeah, so she has to stop herself. Oh no, no, I'm not going to touch him. Um, but yeah, everything from that moment right through, like the chase. Uh, through uh, 40s New York when he's hunting down Kruger, who's just killed yeah. uh, Dr. Erskine. Um, all of that is magnificent. It, it's great watching Steve kind of adjust to his new abilities, you know, when he's sprinting yeah. down the street. but Falls in he, through the window. Yeah, he hasn't adjusted for the curvature because he's moving so fast. He just falls out of the window. Because, again, those little moments kind of make it feel all the all the more understandable and real. It puts you in his shoes more, you know. So how would you react if your body was suddenly like, yeah. if you could suddenly do things that no other human being could possibly do? It would take some time to get used to it. Um, and it's those it, little touches that make it, that make it, better in a lot of ways than mm. maybe some other comic book stuff because you're you're adding in that touch of reality um mm-hmm. and it's just a small small detail um but because you're doing that like you're just like oh, oh okay this is exact this is the kind of stuff that to me makes the marvel movies just that much better than yeah. you know, most other stuff the the effects that are that are used throughout the MCU to illustrate 
Steve's powers in particular, I think are always brilliant. Um, I remember being really excited when I saw The Incredible Hulk and you get Tim Roth kind of like sprinting through the past the army attacking yeah. you know he's got that kind of some of the super soldier serum available to him um and i remember yeah. thinking oh my god a film with someone who can do that would be amazing and and it is it's really cool one of my favorite mcu moments is um in infinity war when um t'challa and steve are leading the heroes and the rest of the yeah. wakandans uh, and like as they're all sprinting into battle, suddenly Steve and T'Challa move away from the pack just because they can't help it because they're so quick, they're superhuman. You know, they leave everyone else behind them and it's just the two of them <laughs> on their own. And like I said, it's 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 adhering to the film's internal logic or the or the, yeah. the world's internal logic like that, that I love. Other films wouldn't do that. Other films would just have them all arrive at the same time. But yeah. Like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Like Steve and T'Challa have these unbelievable they're like the, the very peak of what a human could human. ever yeah. do yeah it's, it's it's not possible for the rest of the, te- of the team to keep up with them so yeah no <laughs> I, I i love that so anyway I, I had to mention that and and the other scene that i have to mention and we did kind of touch on this but i cannot stress enough how great the end of this movie is um which is the, the you know the scene in Times square uh where fury cap- catches up yeah. with them and, and lets them know what's happened now I think that that's pretty much been lifted wholesale from uh, Miller's run on the Ultimates. I mean, it's almost identical. That's what happens. Steve wakes up in a, a shield facility and breaks his way out and, and ends up right. in Times Square where he's kind of faced with it. But um, the of course, it being the Ultimates, the reason he doesn't accept that he's in the present day, uh, that he's uh, he's with Shield, is because Nick Fury is black. And you know, because right. in, in his world, a black man would never be promoted to Colonel, and that was the Nazis' flaw. It's like, oh God. All right, Mark. All right, Miller. We get it. We get what you're doing. Um, but yeah. but here it's 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 so gloriously sad. I can't think of a better way of describing it than that. Um, you know, when you stand in there and the 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 contrast of the color palette that we get in that scene with the rest of the movie, which is all sort of muted yeah. greys and greens and browns, and then you're in this sort of this this Technicolor Marvel, like you know, like Dorothy arriving in Oz for the first yeah, time. Right. That that's what it feels like, and. And I, we did mention it, but that, that to go out on that, that a line as sad as that um, for what was effectively a fun blockbuster romp um, takes quite a bit of, of guts on, on the part of the filmmakers to end yeah. you on such a bummer. Um, and then by the time we get through the credits and we get the, the sort of the, I know it's a post-credit scene, but let's be honest, it's a glorified trailer for the it's Avengers. It's a glorified trailer, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I I watched that last night and it was like, it was getting on till midnight and I'm thinking, oh, could, can I sit up and watch the Avengers? Do I think, could I do that? No, <laughs> I'm up at six tomorrow. I need to go to bed. But yeah, <laughs> because it, it does such a great job of getting you excited for what comes next. And um, yeah, oh, th- that ending though is just, oh, it's a punch in the gut every time I watch it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 great to see him wake up, realize that you know he's being played, and then um, escape it. Which was a which was a really dumb move on their part, though, too. Because when when thinking about it, too, it's like you know when you're gonna set him up with the, like a recording of a game, make sure it's a game set after he went in the ice. Like you know, it's like why would you put it in 1940? Why would you play a 1941 game? He wasn't even Captain America at that point, so it's like, you know, it it didn't make any sense at all. So in my head, that was uh, the guy who set that up is the same guy that was playing uh, Galaga on the uh, the helicarrier. <laughs> so like, like somebody needs to move that guy out of Shield. He's just he's not doing his job. He's not tech savvy at all. So <laughs> uh, that's too funny. Yeah, but yeah, him him 
running out into Times Square and just like, which is funny, like Shield having like a a, a little office right there in Times Square. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, you know how expensive that stuff would cost, you know. The, the, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. I, I believe uh, but that's it made what for they a dramatic, yeah, a dramatic conceit. I'll I'll love it. I'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it's a, it's a yeah no. So it's 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 a great into a great movie and it's a you know it's it's just a it's just a fun movie in general and, mm. and a great way to lead us into uh the avengers yeah cannot wait. but uh yeah all right well now that we've uh talked this movie to death why don't you uh let people know where they can find you online yeah, apologies. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this podcast may end up longer than the movie was, so my apologies. But look, it, it's a real problem. I mean, if you ask me to talk about Steve Rogers, I could literally do it all night. I could do this all day, as Steve all would day. say. Yeah. Uh, so, so bear that in mind when when you have me back for Endgame, just uh, book out a, a big slot for us. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, until then, you can find me uh, <laughs> online on Twitter. While Twitter still exists before Musk does whatever he's doing with it, uh, I'm over at Angry Scotsman eighty one. Um, and if you want to hear more of my stuff, you can uh, tune into Vampire Videos. Uh, we have a new show dropping every Monday. Uh, by the time this comes out, I think we'll just be starting season five. Um, we've got okay. some cracking guests for season five, and we've got some excellent films to cover, so definitely check us out. Uh, and if you want some more Marvel content, let me just direct you to Podcast 616, uh, which I co-host uh, with Ashley Thomas, the nerdy blogger. And I think... After we finish our Secret Invasion coverage, we're going to have a brief break, then we'll be back for the news episode, and then Ashley and I have got a couple of ideas for some shows that we want to do. Um, there's an ongoing dispute and debate amongst some of the regulars <laughs> on 616 about which of the MCU trilogies is best. So Ashley um, and I are, are, are considering putting together a series of podcasts where we debate which trilogy is the best trilogy, and then we can all agree that it's Captain America. So, um, you know, we'll, 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 we'll see how that goes. But yeah, you can check me out. You can find all my stuff there. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you again for coming on. And, uh, you know, you're definitely coming back for uh, my end game uh episode oh, I cannot so, wait <laughs> yeah it'll be a lot of fun <laughs> all right well until next time we'll see you then thanks again to hugh for joining me on the next episode devon taylor joins me to talk about happy death day and happy death day to you on monday and on friday donna returns to the show to complete phase one with the avengers thanks for listening if you like what you've heard please consider giving the show five stars and a review on apple podcasts and spotify also, please share the podcast on social media to help spread the word. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or at creepyandgeeky.com. Music for the podcast composed by Jerry Smith. You can follow the podcast on social media at creepyandgeeky on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, I'm geekthulu on Twitter and geek.thulu on Instagram. You can support the podcast by ordering teas and more on TeePublic or by donating to the Kofi page. All of the links are in the show notes. Finally, don't forget, stay creepy.